All right, welcome to the Fit Vegan Podcast. I'm your show host, Maxim Seguin, and I'm the founder and CEO of Fit Vegan Coaching, a company that is on a mission to help 10,000 people get lean, thrive, and reduce their risk of chronic illnesses by 2033 and a million by 2050. I believe that having a fit, healthy body in mind is the foundation to living an incredible life, and this is what little show will give you if you choose to listen and implement. Enjoy the episode and have a great day. All right. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Fit Vegan Podcast. Today, I'm joined by a very special guest and a friend, Adam Jablin, who's an author, recovery and performance coach, addiction and mental health expert, and the founder of The Hero Project. Adam and I both met um, in Tony Robbins' world when we were in Hawaii uh, for the relationship trip and um, then got reconnected kind of through Adam Sud. So very excited to have you on the show, brother. How are you doing today? I'm doing wonderful, bro. Thank you for having me. How are you? I'm doing great. Yeah. Very calm and centered and, and, and ready to conquer the year. Amen. Yes. So, man, obviously, as I was doing research into kind of like the work that you're doing, you've, you've done a lot. Um, but before I get into it, like I want to know what brought you into the Tony Robbins world, because that's kind of where we connected at the first place. We just kind of like passed each other uh, when we were in the gym. I was yeah. like, that's another super fit guy. I'm like, we got to talk to him. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I was working with a coach, uh, going through some of uh, go going through a, a painful time in my life, helping a bunch of people, but going through a painful time in my life. And, uh, she was able to get one of those pink, you know, where you're in Tony's pod, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm in, I'm in Tony's personal pod and I'm meeting a bunch of people and, uh, there were some interesting connections between me and Sage. And then I had a brother there that I didn't even know he was in that. That was a lion. Okay. And he was, he, he just kept like, kind of like reinforcing it. Now I kind of just, you know, I went in, I was not Mr. Tony. I, this yeah. is how my brain works. Okay. Everybody's wearing the same fucking hat. Yeah. You know what I mean, what is this guy selling? You know, what is going, what is going on here? You know what I mean, this is, I just, it's that alcoholic addict. Keep me safe. I'm not buying into the hoopla thing. And then Tony came on and I was mesmerized and everything he said fit and made sense. Mm -hmm. Everything. I couldn't find a loophole in anything. And the energy was contagious. And, you know, you could say I went from being a non-believer to a believer. And it also allowed me to see, A, how far I had come, yeah. and B, how far I have to go. It allowed me to see where my expertise was, and also how much more amazing information there is to learn to help people. Yeah. And that was it, brother. That was it. That was the start of it. So start of it. funny question, but how many hats do you have now that everyone's wearing? Well, I have like, you know, I, I have, I have, uh, six of them. I'm still Adam. So yeah. I give them out. Yeah. You know what I mean, I give them out, but, um, you know, it's, it's an honor to know them. It's an honor to be associated with that world. It's an honor to learn from, you know, the Michael Jordan of personal development. Yeah. And, uh, I, I can't stress his teachings enough. 
Yeah, he just has that that presence when he comes out. You just want you just want to listen, and he has such a way of saying it that the words connect so deeply when you don't expect that they would. Because yeah, I'm like I'm a very calm person, <laughs> and then to go there and like fist bump and jump everywhere, I didn't think it would be for me. But eventually, you kind of get you warm up to it, and then you understand yeah. why why it takes place. Yeah, I am not a calm person, right? No, yeah, yeah but, <laughs> but I am. Uh, I, I was skeptic. I was a skeptic. Yeah. You know, I was like, well, what, what is all this about? What is the freaking hype about? You know, what, you know, give me a break. Uh, you know, people, Team Tony, and this guy's orange, and this, you know, people wearing capes. And, but what I, what I learned is I, I don't know what I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. And every single time I'm in that environment or around him, there's some nugget that I get. Um, and by the way, a lot of the times it's not the core principles that he's teaching. Yeah. You know, it's just some story. It's, it's something that he shares that I go that, that I'm stealing that, that really hit home. Yeah. Well, I definitely want to talk about like, obviously Tony has been a great help in helping you in your journey, but you also do a lot of work for other people, right? You do a lot of incredible work in the addiction space in the mental health space and the performance space before we dive into the work that you do, like everyone has a story of how they end up there. No one wants to serve as much if they didn't go through something. So what's kind of the story that brought you to want to serve people and the world in that way? Bro, thank you for asking. I don't want to be too long winded, but July we got time. 14th, this podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. July 14th, 2006 was the day that my hero was born. It was the day of my intervention. And it was the day that I surrendered. And I went to rehab. And that was the pivot in my life that went from a guy that was all about how I look, how I sound, my image, my money in the bank, the girl, the kid, the company, all about the external to learning about how to be intrinsic, how to have a relationship with God and what this spiritual life was all about, especially in recovery. You know, alcohol back in the day was called spirits. It was yeah. called spirits, bro. As a matter of fact, where I grew up in Tenafly, New Jersey, the store used to be called Fine Wine and Spirits. And I had a spiritual relationship with alcohol. Okay. It was spiritual. It gave my life meaning and purpose, man. Yeah. Alcohol gave my life meaning and purpose. And when you took that away, you took away the juice. You took away something that gave my life truly a, a way, a blueprint of living. Alcohol was my baby. You know, I loved to drink. And I could talk about that all day long. So I had to find a spiritual solution for a spiritual illness, for a spiritual disease. And that was the pivot. That's where it all began. Did you know that it was an addiction at that point? Or like you mentioned, it was more like a spiritual experience. It was a part of your experience in, in life. Like, did you know that it was an addiction? And when, when did you realize that it was? Great question. No, it took me nine days in the rehab. So I signed up to go to rehab 
in my intervention for 10 days. They, they saw me fighting. They saw I had every excuse of why I can't do this. I have the company. I have the new baby. I have this. I have that. So they're like, okay, what about 10 days? Adam, what about 10 days? You know, and, and go and see if you have this thing. And just so you can see how my mind works and how like crazy I am. As I said, my sobriety date is July 14th, 2006. So this intervention is happening in July. And I'm going, oh yeah, 10 days I can do. And I'm thinking, well, you know what? December, January would be a good time. It's beautiful down here in South Florida. The weather is perfect. Like, I'm already yeah. in my head telling myself stories. And there were two words that I could not understand. Bro. I, and, and I'm an educated guy, you know, I'm, I'm a savvy guy. And I'll tell you what the two words are. And I was like, okay, when do you want to do this? And I'm ready to negotiate December, January, February. And they said, right now. Yeah. I couldn't understand what they were saying. I'm like, right now, like right now, right, right now, right now, right. You mean like right now, this happened eight, nine times. Yeah. I could not process how serious they were about me needing help. So those were loved ones, right? That kind of loved ones. Okay. And And an interventionist and. I, I surrendered and the way my mind works, is like, I see things in movies. And I remember Ray Liotta in, in Goodfellas saying, all right, take me to jail. And that's literally what I said. Yeah. I said, all right, take me to jail. And that framed exactly how I looked going into rehab. I framed yeah. it in my mind as I'm going to jail. And then that those were the cues that my eyes and brain were picking up on when I walked in and I'm signing into the detox thing. They had like files and folders and I'm like, oh, okay, this is like going to prison. You know what I mean? And that's how I felt. And I had 10 days in my mind to get the fuck out of there, to show them that I'm a good boy, that I'm the most dedicated, disciplined, tenacious rehab patient they've ever seen in their life. And within five or six days, they're going to be like, this guy's fine. There's nothing wrong with this guy. And bro, everything they taught me started to backfire. I learned about the disease of alcoholism and addiction. A, that it is a disease. It takes four components to be a disease. You have to be progressive. Mm-hmm. Over time, you get worse. You have to be chronic, always there. You have to be primary first, not secondary. Yeah. And you have to be fatal. If you have all four of those qualifications, you're a disease. You're a disease in the medical, in all of the medical books, in the medical mm-hmm. association. You take one of those away, it's a disorder. And by the way, that's terrible enough. Yeah. So I learned that I had a disease and that I was sick. This was revolutionary vocabulary for me. Yeah. And like I was telling you. Definitely reframes it. It reframes experience. So I started learning about the disease of alcoholism. And the first time I actually said out loud, "I'm I'm Adam, I'm an alcoholic and an addict. And by the way, I said that because I was in a group setting. And I yeah. felt like there were cameras on me. And I, my MO is I got to get the hell out of here. Yeah. So what do you do? You follow the crowd at child time. You know, you're not going to be the yeah. rebellious one. Just So when I said, I'm Adam and I'm an alcoholic and addict, brother, a 600 pound gorilla jumped off of my shoulders and I could breathe for the first time. I was like, and everything made sense. Have you ever seen the movie, The Sixth Sense with Bruce Willis? Yeah. Okay, in that movie, 
it's it's on purposely confusing. And in the end, he realizes that he's dead. And everything that he experienced now makes sense. Well, I when I said I'm an alcoholic and addict, all of a sudden I was like, oh, that's why I got a DUI in college. That's why I've written my wife over 30 letters that I'll stop drinking. That's why I ran over the mailbox. That's why I almost slipped down the steps with my daughter, you know, well, after take, giving her a bath. Like, I was like, oh my God, I'm an alcoholic. I can't stop drinking. And then within one second, bro, after that relief, my brain went to, now what? Yeah. How do I live? How do I, how do I watch football with my dad? How do I see the boys? How do I entertain clients at dinner? Yeah. And within this nine day process, which I'm happy to go over with you, I started learning all of these lessons and skills that were transforming my mind. And little by slowly, I realized I had to stay. Yeah. So did you, did you feel that subconsciously you knew that that's what was going on, but you never wanted to admit it to yourself so that when you did, that's kind of when the release came or did you like full, were you fully blind to the idea that like you were an alcoholic at the time? I knew I was an extreme guy, but my yeah. definitions were all whacked. So I really didn't okay. know because to me, an alcoholic is a bum in the middle of Manhattan that hasn't showered in six months petting okay. a cat that's not there mumbling to himself with a brown bag. Yeah, yeah. An addict is like Chris Rock's pookie in New Jack City. Yeah. Always shooting dope. You yeah. know what I mean? So I didn't match these definitions that I had. Because you had a successful life. You you were still operating. I was still operating. Yeah. Um, was was it a ritual? Was it a functional alcoholic, I think? <laughs> is that yeah, you but you know, and then, you know, what, what I have fun with now is I look back on it and I'm like, was I really that functional? <laughs> it seemed like yeah. it at the time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I could say to you, honestly, I did not know. I did not know what I was. I knew yeah. I was extreme in every area. As a matter of fact, I wonder if I have it here. The name of my book that went number one was a New York Times bestseller was is lots of Hulk. They yeah. titled me that they called me lots of Hulk because everything I do, I do a lot, everything, exercise, running, nutrition, it's more and more and more and more and more. So yeah. I thought my drinking and drugging and partying was a, just extreme behavior. I didn't think I was an alcoholic. As a matter of fact, when my counselor asked me for the first time, do I think I'm an alcoholic? I was offended. Yeah. I was like, that's a little extreme. You know what I mean? So he asked me simple questions, like simple. He goes, well, let me ask you. Do you ever wake up in the morning and swear to yourself that you won't drink, but you end up drinking anyway? And I was like, every time. He goes, mm -hmm. okay, okay. And I heard this a lot, by the way. Take it easy. Take it easy. I didn't realize how intense I was. Yeah. He goes, okay, well, let me ask you this. Do you ever say to yourself, tonight, I'll only have three or four, but then when you start, you can't stop? And I was like, every single time, every single time. He goes, okay, so if you swear to yourself in the morning, you won't drink and you end up drinking anyway. And then you make a deal with yourself that when you drink, you'll only have three or four. But when you start, you can't stop. He goes, wouldn't you say you were powerless? And bro, I had no wiggle room out of there. 
Yeah, she cornered you for sure. <laughs> it was checkmate. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I remember him asking me point blank. He goes, well, do you think your life is unmanageable? And I'm like, so, I, you know, I'm sitting there, I'm, you know, stroking my goatee a little bit, thinking, well, you know, I just got this big order from Victoria's Secrets and I just got the new car and have a child and house is fully paid for. You know, I'm taking stock of my life. Yeah. And all of a sudden he slams, slams on the table and looks at me, Adam, you're in rehab, right? I look down, I'm in slippers, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. I guess my life is unmanageable. So that's who I was. I was Captain Denial. Yeah. Damn. So if you don't mind me asking, because I know we talked previously on a call that you kind of had to take over the business and that made you really busy from the start. You had to manage a lot of people. Did it start from like having to handle stress or did it start in the earlier days, kind of the alcohol? Just because I've worked with a few people throughout our coaching programs that kind of same, same thing as you, they discovered that they were alcoholics and they didn't know that it was an issue. And so I know that stores is very powerful. So if there's someone listening that can kind of be like, oh shit, I am doing the same thing that Adam was doing before, you know, it's like, where yeah, did it kind no, of start it, for you? It, I, I th and thank you. I, I definitely think the career and the pressure was just more fuel on the fire, but it was yeah. always there, bro. I mean, listen, okay. I was growing up, I was the fat kid. I was the heavy kid. My dad used to call me El Chubbo, you know, not mean to hurt my feelings, but yeah. yeah. And call me Chunky from, Monkey when I was bulking. Chunky so Monkey, I get it. yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, this is also the guy that showed me Rocky Three for the first time when I was ten years old, and I was like, it, literally, a thought was in my head. Well, if I could look like that, all my problems would go away. That's literally the thought that came in. That exact thought. Yeah, we moved down to Boca Raton, Florida, when I'm about 10, 11 years old, where you can have your shirt off every day and be at the beach and be at the pool. I used to go swimming with a T-shirt on. It was still sucked to my fat. And yeah. I hated the way I looked and I hated the way I felt. And now hormones are coming and I'm sweating a lot. I remember a girl teasing me. And I just remember I made a decision that I wasn't going to look like this anymore. I was going to be this guy anymore. And my mom stopped you know, taking me to McDonald's every day and getting me six piece chick McNugget and French fries and a Coke. I started eating grilled chicken breasts and apples. And it wasn't like today's day and age, dude. Like my parents bought me a weight set and they would buy me muscle and fitness and flex magazine and Arnold Schwarzenegger's encyclopedia bodybuilding. And I would yeah. mimic these workouts, but, but little by slowly the body, I apologize. I'm, I'm dealing with a little like allergies or something, but little oh, by good. slowly, the body started changing in four short years. I went from the fattest kid in the class to the best built kid in the class. I went yeah. from kids teasing me, yo, yo, Adam, how many Oreos did you eat last night? To, Hey man, how much can you bench press? The yeah. girls liked me. Everything changed on the outside, bro. Everything changed, but me, but now with the new body came new skills. Yeah. And I was able to hang and play with the older kids. And there's something about when you're growing up, especially in the 80s and 90s, when you're hanging out with older kids, you just seem cooler. They have more freedom. They, they just see you just seem more like accepted. You're getting more approved. Yeah. And all I remember is it was after practice or after a workout and we, we have drinks, you know, they have beers and joint. And I remember them, them passing the, the drink and I took a swig and it fixed something inside of me, brother, that I did not know was broken. 
mm. it fixed it. And now that fat, insecure, class clown, laugh with me instead of laughing at me guy went down and a confident, cool guy came up and my insides matched my outsides. Yeah. I was like, whoa, look at, look at this. You know what I mean? I became the life of the party and I yeah. dedicated my life to that feeling. I was the first kid in high school with a fake driver's license. I went to Arizona State University because it was the number one party school in the country in Playboy magazine and Penthouse. I went there and it was, and I dominated there. I mean, so it was always, I'm giving you a very long explanation to, it wasn't work. Yeah. It was this insecure, afraid little boy that needed to calm down and needed that voice to go away. Now you put me in a business environment where things are intense. I have the last name Javelin. I have to live up to these heroes of mine. I have to run a company that is quite sizable. It just added fuel to the fire. Yeah. And you can see that was like, that was like direct positive reinforcement when you first had that drink and then it kind of, like I said, matched the outside to the inside. I can see how you'd be like, damn, I want to feel like this all the time. Cause we have a very, very similar story. I, I never got into kind of alcohol. It just gave me a headache. So I never liked it, but the gym getting fit is the thing that allowed me to kind of have this confidence. And then it was positive reinforcement. So to me, I just stuck, I held on to that and did more of it. So I can definitely see how, yeah, my insides never match my outside for a very long time. So I can see how if I would have been able to, you can easily fall into that. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you mentioned earlier, like a nine step process when you when you went through it. Was it nine step when you went to recovery? Oh, no, no. It was it was a nine day process of me to finally surrender. Oh, yeah. Give what me was some that examples. Like? Yeah. So give me some examples. I go to my first lecture, Dr. John Dybin, who I'm still very, very close with. And it, the lecture was on spirituality. And it was about healthy spirituality versus unhealthy spirituality. Okay. And he started explaining that spirituality are like muscles. Okay. And that you cannot get more spiritual. You cannot get more spiritual. Okay, just like you cannot get more muscles. You cannot yeah. get another deltoid, another tricep, another bicep, another pectoral, another quadricep. Another. You can't get more yeah. of it. What you can do is get with your God-given body, your God-given muscles, make them bigger, faster, stronger, healthier. Mm -hmm. But you can't get more of it. And spirituality yeah. is the same way. It is a God-given gift. And it can be healthy and unhealthy. And then he explained what it looks like, just like a body. Unhealthy spirituality, you can see it. The person doesn't make eye contact. There's like a weird aura around them. They can't find their words very quickly. There's like a, just a very downgraded feeling and vibration. Yeah. Healthy spirituality, you can see. There's a celebration in the eyes. There's a smile. There's an aura that they give off. They can seem to find their words in a proper manner and communicate well. And he start, I started seeing spirituality in a completely different way. It wasn't wearing a red bracelet. It wasn't 
you know, going on a meditation retreat in the Himalayas. It wasn't swearing something off for 40 days. It was a daily practice, like a daily yeah. routine. And people started connecting the dots. Then I meet this guy named Father Ron Bursha, a Catholic priest. I'm a Jew from Jersey, okay? And I'm sitting with Father Ron and he asks me, do I believe in God? And I, need, I know I need to get out of there in nine days. So, you know, if a Catholic priest is going to ask me, I believe, do I believe in God? My answer is going to be, yeah. Yeah, of course, you know. I, and I open the door for old ladies and law of attraction and woo. And he's like, okay, calm down, calm down. Yeah. Again, I got that a lot. So he asks me to stick my arm out, okay? I stick my arm out. And he puts his hand on me like this. And he goes, Adam, do you see what I did there? So I'm looking at my arm and I look at the priest and I look at my arm. I'm like, father, you know, I'm sorry. I, I, I don't understand. He does it again. He goes, you see what I did this time? Now I'm getting a little freaked out. So I'm like, father, you know, what? I'm Jewish. Maybe there's a disconnect here. You know, <laughs> he starts laughing. He does it again. He touches me again. He goes, you see what I did this time? Now I'm starting to use humor because I'm really uncomfortable. I'm like, Father, yeah. I heard about you guys touching little boys. You know, I, I heard him. <laughs> he starts laughing. He shuts the lights off and he takes a UV light out and he shines it on my arm. And there are all these purple fingerprints glowing. Yeah. All in the dark. And he goes, do you think that you can believe in a power that's been all around you that you can't see, taste, touch, none of the five basic senses that's been guiding you, protecting you, and brought you here to me today? And I'm looking at the fingerprints glow, glowing glowing these they weren't there a second i'm like father i can believe i can believe he turns the lights back on they disappear i'm like do it again do it again like it's like it's a magic trick right yeah and this catholic priest took this jude from jersey and downloaded him into the matrix these were the things that were happening to me the last exercise i had to do was i had to tell my story in front of these 30, 40 alcoholic addict guys that I felt so different from, bro. They don't mm -hmm. work out. This guy's smoking meth. This guy's smoking crack. This guy's, it, I'm so different than these people. I, I, I'm terminally unique, you know? Yeah. I have to say my story. And even that was offensive to me. When they said, you have to tell your story. I'm like, my story? My story? I'm like, what? My, what's your fucking story? I didn't talk like this. You know what I mean? I didn't have this recovery, personal development language, know your story. I didn't talk like this. I was a yeah. kid from Jersey. What's my fucking story? Yo, what's your fucking story? Like, I, I don't use these, these words. So I say my story and I say everything that I just told you about the young kid being fat, moving down here, you know, uh, changing my body, hanging with the older kids, starting to drink, starting to drug Arizona state. Dude, I end my talk and these 40 guys, stand up and like I was Tony and yeah. they're just lying me and cheering me on. And, oh my, woo, Adam. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and identifying with me, relating with me. I was the skinny kid. I went to Ohio state. I got a DUI. Right. And I'm like, Oh shit, this is not good. Like these people relate to me. Yeah. This is not good. That night I had my spiritual awakening. I've never been this, I've never been the same, but brother, it didn't come to me in a white light experience. I had the most severe panic attack in the world. My blood pressure was over 180. 
a part of me was dying. I went to the nurse's station. My, my roommates demanded that I go to the nurse's station. I was shivering. My, my, everything was bright red. Yeah. I, something was wrong. And I sat there, they're taking my blood pressure. They're telling me to calm down. I'm like, I can't calm down. You know what I mean? They gave me a paper bag to breathe in. I've never been so offended in my life. I'm like a paper bag. I'm like, you got to give me a Xanax or a Vistrol, one of those pills. Back. Uh, give, give. And they said, nope, this is it. This is it. This is your moment. No more pills. They're like, what's wrong? And I'm like, I think, I think all of this is real. I think what you're teaching me is real. And I think I have to stay. And they're like, so what's wrong with that? I'm like, well, I told everybody I'd be out in 10 days. Again, always worried about what mm -hmm. other people are thinking about me. Yeah. They're like, well, why don't you just call your wife and, and tell her? I run to the phone. I'm in a rehab center. So they protect the numbers. It's five yeah. o'clock in the morning, right? I'm, 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 something's not right with me, but something's starting to calm down. I'm, I'm like, listen, I got to talk to you. And she's like, is everything okay? Is everything okay? I'm like, are you, are you sitting down? And she's like, sitting down? She's like, it's five o'clock in the morning. You woke me up. You woke the baby up. What's mm -hmm. going on? She thinks I got stabbed or something. I'm like, listen, I have some really bad news. I'm an alcoholic and I have to stay. Pause. About 10 seconds later, bro, I hear, ha, 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 ha. I hear this laughing. I was never going to come pick you up. I was never going to come pick you up. Don't you see it's you, Adam this and Adam that and Adam needs to go to the gym and Adam needs Patron tequila and Adam needs to go to the office and Adam, 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 Adam. And something happened to me called the parallel process. I don't know if you've ever experienced it. It's yeah. extremely unique. Many people have gone through this. Tony's gone through it. Well, I saw two of them. I literally saw it like a movie, like a projection. This Adam gets back on the phone and goes, listen, bitch. Get in the car, pick me up, get the divorce papers. Just, just, I'm right, you're wrong, F you, I'm going to protect myself. Just mm -hmm. angry, alcoholic Adam. And then there was this guy. I didn't know if he had to be baptized. I didn't know if he had to wear a yarmulke. I didn't know if he had to swear off to, to live in poverty. I didn't know anything about this guy. But I knew he was sober. I jumped into that guy and I never looked back. That was the first night I slept in years. What I thought was a prison transformed into spiritual camp. I was in camp mm. to a summer camp. My whole life changed from that day on and brother for 17 years, I've never looked back. That's beautiful, man. I'll be honest with you. I was getting the shivers. You're making me teary eye as you're sharing. I, I love, I love hearing life changing stories. Like I'm an emotional guy. So that's like, like, uh, like Tony a little bit makes me cry. Um, so I'm sure your wife was happy that you decided to step into this version of you at that point. At that point she was. After she laughed a little bit, then she was happy. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> at that point she was. Unfortunately, our marriage didn't work out also because of my recovery. Yeah. Um, but that happens in relationships. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm happy you stepped into that version of you because it 
that's who you are today. Now you're getting to help a ton of people with the work that you were able to do. Um, and so, first of all, I appreciate you for sharing that and being so vulnerable, being so authentic. Not often that someone will make me tear up on the podcast. <laughs> so you're you're real. Um, so I'm I'm curious, like, how was it to step into this new version of you? Because it's very scary, right? You're stepping into the unknown. How was it discovering that that version of you and the steps that came after that? I'll try to describe it. But first, let me give you a, a movie sequence. You ever seen The Matrix? Yeah. So there's a scene where Neo, in the first one, goes back into The Matrix for the first time. And he's, he's kind of weirded out. And they drive by a restaurant that he used to visit. He goes, huh. And they're like, why? He's like, I used to go eat there. They had really good noodles. But he's seeing it for the first time because he now knows that the whole world is different. It's not what yeah. it was. That's what it was like. I was in the same world, but everything was different. Everything, bro. You know what I mean? I would see an advertisement for alcohol and I would just like stay clear away. You know what I mean? Yeah. I did not want to go to the pharmacy ever. I didn't want to go to the pharmacy. I didn't trust myself yet. Uh, you know, I, even to this day, I would use Crest mouthwash that has no alcohol in it to mm -hmm. Listerine. Every little thing had, they, they say in recovery, only one thing has to change. Just one thing. And that's yeah. everything. How, and that's how, what happened. Everything changed. How did you stay consistent with that? Because a lot of people want, like, again, we're recording this closer to kind of New Year's. And a lot of people want to make major changes in their life. And it's one thing to have the shift in perspective, the epiphany, the like, oh, I get to step into this new version of me. But how did you, how were you able to stick to it in the long haul? Because how many years has it been now since that moment? 17. It's been like 17 years. Yeah. So what allowed you to stick with it? Well, a few things. And then I'll end with the main one. There were daily disciplines and daily practices that I did. I would make a recovery meeting every day. I would pray three times a day. I would study literature. I would speak with my mentor. I would really get into the inside job, the inside work of Adam Javelin. And yeah. I would do a lot of service and help a lot of people, bro. A lot of people. But the thing that really has sustained me and is the main part is my relationship with God. It's my relationship with a higher power. That is the one thing that keeps me away from a drink or a drug. It's yeah. that relationship. That's beautiful. And so you nurture that every single day. I nurture it every single day, multiple times a day. It is the most important relationship I have in my life. And without that, and without my recovery, I have no other relationships. Trust me. Yeah. You will not want to be with Adam, the maniac. And is that a part, is that a part of like the center of all the work that you do now? It is. It is. Now, when I'm coaching people or helping people, I have to be very, very sensitive to where they're at, especially within their spirituality. 
So I come at it in a different way, a little bit more like if you know basketball, the way Phil Jackson is with Zen Buddhism and his spiritual practices to the Chicago Bulls and the Los Angeles Lakers. You don't push your spiritual beliefs on somebody. But what you do is you allow them to adopt a different philosophy. And from somebody, let's say number 23 or number eight, dominating the ball and everybody playing around them, you learn a triangle system and you teach them how to trust their teammates, how to play within a system, how to let go, how to not force your way, always force your way to the hole, force your way in your job, force your way in this life, but you allow things to happen to you. And then what happens is through A, me leading by example, B, demonstrating how this works in their own life, and then C, their experience as they start to win, they adopt these principles as their own. I don't care if they use the word God, because I'll be honest with you, I use the word God because that's the word that was taught to me. It was in the Old Testament. It was in the New Testament. It was in my recovery um, literature. It is a word that I'm familiar with when you use this power. There are many parts of the world that do not use the G word. So the word is not what I'm focused on. It's the feeling and the experience. Yeah. And so I I, want to make a transition from that to kind of the hero project and then kind of dive more into it because that's how you get to help people. So how, how was the hero project started and when did it start? So the hero project really was starting to form even in my early, early recovery, helping people. But as a company, it was really, really formed 2020. Okay. Okay. And it was as we sold our family business, I remember going to my mentor and saying, what am I going to do now? Like, what am I going to do now? Like, I know how to manufacture and make lace, women's intimate apparel, Victoria's Secrets, La Perla, Hanky Panky, Hanes Brand. You know what I mean? I know about nylon. I know about polyester. I know about rayon. I know about gauges in the machine. I know how to run one operation with three eight-hour shifts. I know how to run another operation with two 12-hour shifts. I know when to give overtime. I know how to use the forklift. I know how to bring in the inventory. I know how to ship the goods. I know how to do the clerical work. I know the design department. I know how to run an empire. What am I going to do now? And he looked at me like I was crazy. He's like, what are you talking about? You're going to be Adam Jablin. You're going to influence people's thoughts to a higher reality. You're going to help people. That's what you're all about. So I'm sure you may notice, but my whole life, look, like the way people were with Tony or the way I am with Dion and Tony, like the, with my Dion, there was always one thing, one person that I always wanted to be ever since I was a little, I was born and put in his t-shirt. So the day I'm born, mm-hmm. the day I was born, first day, May 19th, 1976, the picture of me, my mother holding me, I have an S. I knew I wanted to help people. I knew that recovery is its own thing, but I knew that not everybody also wants to get sober. I knew people want to be heroic. Mm-hmm. I knew people yeah. wanted to leave some sort of old life in the hero's journey. If you think about it, that is what's yeah. happening in every story. You're separating from an old life. 
you're separating from Krypton. You're separating from what you thought the Matrix was. You're separating from Tatooine as Luke Skywalker. You're le you, you go on this journey. You're separating from a pain. You're separating from alcohol. You're separating from drugs. You're separating from the old job, separating from the old marriage. But then there's an initiation process where you learn Kung Fu, where you realize you're from a different planet and you have all these powers. You go learn, train to be a ninja before you put a bat costume on. An old wise mentor teaches you how to use the force. There's an initiation process where you go through and you learn all these new skills. But every yeah. real hero doesn't go, okay, now I'm the star, I'm out. Yeah. There's a return home. There's a separation, an initiation, and a return home. And I saw the circle in every single thing I've ever done in my life and every single person I've ever helped and in running an empire. A separation, an initiation, return. So it was time for me to start my own product, my, my own thing. I started, it, it, dude, this is, I love teaching people this because it's this basic. I split a piece of paper down in half. What are the things that resonate with Adam Jabber? Sobriety, recovery, Superman, da, 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 da. He, superhero, hero. Okay. What do I have for people? Uh, is, it, is it a program? Is it a blueprint? Is it a lifestyle? Is it right? Oh, project. Wow. When I work with people, they're kind of like a project. You know, not, it's not a program. It's not chest and back on Monday and shoulders and arms on Wednesday and legs on Friday. It's not 12 steps. Each individual has their own set of unique skills, ideas, and influences. They're projects. It's like building a house. I like it. Boom. And so when, when you work with people, what are some of the, um, the ones that obviously are comfortable sharing that you see the most often that people, the common obstacles that people are dealing with and how do most people overcome them? I know it's very unique to each individual, but I'm hoping we can hit like, you know, a few of them that people listening might be able to resonate to. Some of the obstacles, the most common obstacles. Yeah, that people come to I know you do some performance and, and, and all that. So like, what are some of the most common one that you encounter and how do you typically overcome them? Okay. So one of the main obstacles that I always see is the story that they're identified with. Okay. They're identified with the story and it's real, bro. It's real. So we're not going to, you know, I'm not Tony and we're not going to change the story like that. Okay. We're actually going to acknowledge the origin story. Okay. That's, that's where you, where you were in Krypton. That's your Gotham city. Okay. That's, that's you before the spider bit you. Okay. Okay. I get it. I really listen. I'm listening to the causes and conditions of why they are who they are. Mm -hmm. Their birthday, their mom, their dad, what it was like in kindergarten through fifth grade. Were they the fat kid? Were they the skinny kid? Were they popular? Were they unpopular? Were they a good athlete? Did they like video games? Middle school, what it was like when they got testosterone, estrogen, they started to get taller or they didn't get it yet. You know what I mean? What, again, did they get their first kiss? Did, did they like the opposite sex? Did they try their first, you know, smoke a pot or a drink? High school. 
What was that like? Everything changes. Were you an athlete? All the same question. I get to really find out the origin story of who my client is. And then we start destroying the denial. What are they denying? What are they saying is true? That's not really true. Yeah. Right. And once I allow them to really adopt their origin story, I allow them to see how, what a world of potential they have is. And I speak to them now that I know them, I have a common language. Yeah. With you, I could speak bodybuilding, triathlons, going from six small meals a day to a vegan fit day. I can, I can speak your language like that. Now people are coming to you for that. People are coming to me. I got to learn their language. Yeah. They're not going to learn my language. I, but now I know how to talk to them. Now I know how to talk to them. So what's driving them? What is, where do they want to go? What is their mission and purpose? Where do we have to shift? And by the way, what are they doing that they want to stop doing? Yeah. And what are they not doing that they would like to do? And those flip sides of the coin, bro, give me so much power to help my client. What behavior are you doing that you are dying to stop? And what are you dying to do that you're not doing? And there's a process of going through this journey with me. And when they come out the other end, dude. The ass comes out. Superman comes out. That's or it. Or Superwoman. Yeah. That's it. That's it. So they're, they're a new person. So what are like, obviously I know it's unique to the individual, but what are, what are tools that you can, that people can use just like one quick tool that people can use to have a greater understanding to stop doing the things that they don't want to do and to do the things that they want to do. Because again, being in the, in the fitness space and helping people transform, people know they need to exercise. People know that they need to not eat shit food and eat healthy food. Right. But then people don't do it. And so what, what is a little like shift in perspective or mindset that people can uh, adopt? Yeah. So one of, uh, you know, it's interesting. I want you to know that anything I say is not going to be so revolutionary. Okay. Tony, Tony, you know, even still takes a lot of the basics from Jesus himself. You know what I mean? Yeah. Nothing is that, you know what I mean? So if you take Jesus and Jim Rohn and then you put it in a six, eight guy with one of the most dynamic personalities, and then you just start adding in some athletic stuff and some financial stuff, you get this monstrosity of a guy. Yeah. You know what I mean, but the bait, so, a lot of people know what's going on inside, but they haven't looked at it. Yeah. And they need somebody to feel safe with. Safe is a very special word, bro. Safe. Mm -hmm. We're going to get that shit down on paper. And we're going to look at it. And we're not going to do anything cold turkey. You know what I mean? This is a no judgment zone. But we're going to look at it and how it's serving you and how it's not serving you. And we're going to make minor, minor modifications. Example, some of my clients in the very beginning, we're just going to walk 5,000 steps a day. Yeah. But I want that. I know what you want. 
Yeah. <laughs> but you know I want to work out twice a day for an hour. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but let me tell you something. You ain't there. You know what I mean? How about before I get you under that 405 pound squat bar, why don't we teach you how to squat the bar? Yeah. So what I do is it's, it's really simple, right? Fast is bumpy. Yeah. Right. Fast is bumpy. Slow is smooth. Smooth is fast. I slow them down to speed them up. And it starts changing. Yeah. And it goes faster and faster as you progress. Oh, brother. Yeah. It goes faster and faster. And then as they start seeing more of the results that they knew were attainable, a trust is built and a little more skeletons come out of the attic. Yeah. And they start to have more confidence in their ability to do the thing that they say that they would do, which leads to them taking bigger and greater actions. Sharing, dude, sharing is a big part of coaching, right? One is sharing is a collaborative effort. And two, it takes a lot of the power out, right? So now they, they share with me what's really going on. And now both of us are holding it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and then I say, then I finally say, Hey, can I hold it? I got it. I'm strong enough. And now let's you, let you practice some new skills. I got it. I got the problem. I'm holding it. Don't worry. You want it back? You, you want, you want the bullshit back? You sure? You sure? Okay. You, you like the way things are going? Okay. So let me hold on for it for a while. And we, we build this relationship. I know everything I'm saying sounds uh, very esoteric. But when you're really working with individuals one-on-one or in a group and that trust is built, there's a, a spirit, bro. It's, it's a winning spirit that is very, yeah. very difficult to explain in words, but when felt, cannot be denied. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, when you have that safe space and that trust and you can have that language for the unique person as well, I think it's it does create that perfect environment for people to be able to have that comfort to transform right like we'll just grab like a little example we talked before jumping on the podcast like that tony went on theo vaughn's podcast like theo was able to open up to a level of depth that i haven't seen him open up on some of the other shows because i feel there was like obviously that authority that it's tony which ultimately built that trust he was able to use the language and was able to have breakthroughs out of podcasts yeah and then again, right? It's so easy for us to look at our guy, but understanding and knowing Theo, let it not let's not ignore all the years that he's been sober and doing the work. That yeah. conversation would not have happened a year ago or even two years ago. Theo yeah. is on a deep, profound, spiritual, revolutionary journey. So yeah. they met at the right divine time where A, he could be so vulnerable and open that Tony could be Tony and Theo could be Theo. Yeah. So I have a question for you. We, I, I watched a few pieces of content. Talk about living your, your best, your best life. What are some of your principles that you live by to live your best life? Your best, like, obviously you're super fit. You talked about Rocky earlier. I was going to say it, but I'm like, you pretty much look like Rocky now. Like when we trade in Hawaii, you look like Rocky now. So in terms of like health and fitness and, and all these other areas, what are some of the principles that you have adopted and that you've learned throughout, you know, your journey for the past 17 years? Yeah. 
Dude, what a wonderful question. Thank you for asking. Um, some of my core principles are faith. Okay, faith. Uh, I actually believe that we don't even do anything without faith. You, you don't go in the gym to exercise if you don't have faith that you're going to have a result. Um, I also have a belief and a faith in something farther, you know, more powerful or greater than that. So it starts, it starts with faith. Also, number two, what way more difficult, way more difficult is trust. And the reason I use trust, bro, is it takes courage to trust. People are going to let you down. Mm -hmm. Things are not going to go your way. And there may be at certain times in your life that you actually say something and do, do another. And you're like, do I even trust myself? Yeah. But what's one. the alternative? Not to trust people, not to share, not to try and make declar you know, declarations about yourself of that you want to do this stuff. So faith, trust, of course, health and fitness. Of course. You know what I mean? I would say health and fitness where Tony would say physiology because Tony's about getting that body up, right? But it's also because he's about to anchor a lot of stuff into your system. I'm saying health and fitness as in this is the vehicle. This is the vessel. This is the temple that's going to, you're going to use your entire life. Yeah. You know what I mean? So make it as healthy and as fit as possible. Noticing I'm not saying bodybuilding, sculpting, being shredded, all that. Health and fitness, right? So faith, trust, health and fitness. And my last one is open. Be open. If you're closed, you can't hear. Remember I was telling you, I went into Tony closed. Yeah. Skeptical. When you're open, you can see what really resonates and where the deep truths are in this world. You know, bro, there are some deep, profound, spiritual truths from all the way back, even before Christ's time that will never, ever be broken. Yeah. You know, I can't tell you anything else that's right. Like is keto truth is vegan truth is running an ultra marathon truth. I don't know. We're going to have to see that is bodybuilding truth is six small meals a day. Truth is high intensity. Truth is high volume. Truth. A lot of different roads to Rome there, bro. Yeah. So you got to be open and find the real truths of your life. Yeah. I Are actually people... don't believe that Arnold Schwarzenegger would have built his body on Mike Menster's high intensity routine, two different yeah. physiques, but vice versa. I don't think Dorian Yates would have built his body on Arnold Schwarzenegger's high volume routine. Yeah. I think it's a good nuance for people to remember. Every, I feel like a lot of people are just looking for the one truth that is universal across the board for everyone. And then they forget about the truth that is for themselves and for who they are, what they want, their body type, how they want to live their life. There's right? one universal truth, bro. There's one universal truth. And I think if you could start there, then you could really build a full life, a really full life. And the one universal truth is you're not getting out alive. Yeah. You are going to die. Period. End of story. 
you've suffered from that. And knowing that I have suffered from that. And if you can start from that place and know that time is so valuable and limited and try to make this life count because you just don't know when God says it's your expiration date. That is the one universal truth. Everything that has a beginning has an end. Yeah. It's funny you say that. I have that tattooed on my hand right beside my watch right here. It says, you do? Make, it says make time count. So yeah. as I look at the watch and I'm stressed and there's shit happening. Uh, yeah. Lesson that I learned from my late partner was she was 39 when she passed away. I was like, it's not it's that baby. life. Bro, right? 47. Not, yeah. It's not that necessarily life was short. It's just, I wish I made time count more. Like there's so many times you're just sitting on the couch watching Netflix or on your phone and not having deeper conversations. And it's about seizing these moments while they're there. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, that's why I take so many vacations now and so many trips, <laughs> because at the end of the day, those are the things I'm going to remember. Not when I work in between those two. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, I love to ask, like, what are some of the projects that you're working on right now that you're excited about and how can people learn more about it and support you through it? Because I know you have a great sure. Instagram page, which I'll definitely link below as well. Thank you. So uh, something that I put out there for right now for dry January, and we may leave it free the whole time, is a, a program called Sober Curious. A lot of people are curious of sobriety and recovery. So we yeah. put a program out there of what that would be like and what it could look like if they want to dibble and dabble in, in, in trying a, a sober life or a life that without a substance that they want to let go of. It doesn't necessarily have to be alcohol and drugs. It could be porn, gambling, whatever addiction they have. It could have. be food. Um, well. I'm really excited uh, to launch the hero coaching certification that's accredited. Uh, what I, again, had to learn with that is you got to slow down to speed up. So the course is ready. We even teased it a little bit and we got a lot of great feedback from the teasing of it. But there has to be a launch that makes sense that actually gets people, you know, you want people to really bite. I have a few groups coming out, which I call Alive and Align, where I do group coaching all at one time. I still love my one-on-ones. I have the Neuro Hero Conference, the set number two. Uh, this one's going to be in Texas coming out in April. I have, I wonder if I have a copy of it here. Um, but I, ha ah, I have my book coming out with my mentor that we're really excited about. And it's like Weekend at Moy's. It's called Dion the Rock and Roll Philosopher by Dion DiMucci and Adam Javelin. And this is my gym room. This is, this is my guy. These are the principles yeah. that I live by. He's my spiritual father. They're making a Broadway play about his life called The Wanderer. He's a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame legend. And this book is going to be launched this year. Um, pe amazing people have written for it from Bishop Barron, Bruce Springsteen, Bob Dylan, uh, Stevie Van Zant, Paul Simon have all written and contributed to our book. So I'm excited about that. And, um, and bro, to watch my children grow and to really take the hero project to, to where it's meant to be, to where it's meant to be. You know, my, my coach, um, he did something that scared the hell out of me and it was the greatest compliment in the world. And he, you know, he's, he's somebody that is in Tony's world. He's, he's pretty amazing. And he started having me study the client ladder 
and the client systems of three of the biggest names out there, you know? And he was like, that's where you're going. So get ready. And it scared the hell out of me. Which is a good thing. Scared the hell out of me. It was the greatest compliment of how, where he sees what I could do for people and what the hero project can do. And it showed me how much more work I have to do. That's beautiful. Well, so what's the URL for the, it's at the project, the hero project.com. Yeah, actually, you know what? That's great. I'm so happy you asked that. I actually have everything under adamjavelin.com. Okay. Adam Javelin. Okay. So I will link everything down below for everyone listening from your website to your, your Instagram page. And I know like all the courses and events that you have are on there as well. That'd be great, bro. Thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. Well, again, I, I really appreciate your, your honesty and vulnerability in your story. I know a lot of people will be able to relate to it. I related to a huge part of it. Um, even though we have slight, you know, slightly different stories. Um, and I know for a fact that there's specific people that I have in mind that will really appreciate the, the, the episode. So I hope those people reach out to you um, and, uh, you know, get to learn from you and get to be mentored and coached by you. I love the work that you're doing. I'm happy that we kind of re got connected in a weird way through Adam's side. Yeah. And, uh, awesome. Thank you, Adam. Yes. And uh, I'll definitely, when I come down to Florida, get a workout in or whenever you come up to LA. Yeah, dude, I'm going to be out in California on the 21st to the 23rd. Okay, well, perfect. You know what? Adam Sud's going to be in town as well. Are you guys going to be at the event together? No. Oh, he's going to be here the exact same date that you're here. That's so weird. Oh, okay. I got I to reach out to him. Yeah, okay. Well, we'll, we'll, pl we'll plan that after. But That's awesome. <laughs> Massive thank you for coming on, everyone. Thank you very much for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, be sure to like it, subscribe, share it to people that would benefit from it. And um, we'll see you guys in the next episode. Bye. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, be sure to rate the podcast as it helps us grow and spread our message. And if you know this will help and resonate with someone, be sure to send it their way so that they can have the opportunity to level up their life as well.